Hey, um, man, that was so, so good. Can you guys, let's give God some praise for our worship band. Wow. It's good every week, but that was like, that was like an extra anointing here. Hey, uh, we're glad you're here. If you're here for the first time, man, I'm so glad that you're here. My name's Adam Magania. If I haven't had the chance to meet you, I would love to connect with you afterwards. Uh, come say hi afterwards. We'll connect out in the lobby. Uh, if you want to get connected here, maybe you're like, I've been coming for a while. A great way to get connected is the growth track. Uh, it's our front door to our church. Uh, sometimes you go to church, you're like, how do I, like, it's real friendly, but how do I really get connected? Uh, growth track's where it's at. Talk to someone in the lobby about growth track. It happens the first three Sundays of every month, and it's just our way of helping you take a next step to, to really discover your gifts, find out what the church is all about, and then really understand how to take a next step in being a part of this, this community of people that love Jesus. Hey, um, we're in a series called The Daniel Dilemma. We're wrapping it up today. And uh, we've been looking at this idea or this story in the book of Daniel. Uh, and he's in a dilemma. How many of you know, it's, it's, he's in a, he was in a season of testing. He was, Daniel was an Old Testament prophet, okay? If you're new, uh, I'll kind of bring you up to speed on where we've been. Uh, he was taken into Babylon, and he was, uh, Babylon was a godless culture, and they were, they were trying to change the nature of these young men. They were Hebrew, Jewish men, and Daniel and his friends wanted to serve God, and, and that is the role of culture. If you ever, if you ever wonder what, what the job of culture is, the culture of this world, uh, like Babylon, is to kind of get you to really compromise on what you believe. And so Daniel and his friends were, were taken out of, out of cap, or into captivity during the exile in about 600 BC, and we're going to look at this together today. But um, I just want to tell you guys something. Uh, this... This story, this dilemma that Daniel was in, we're still facing a dilemma today. Um, you and I are, if you call yourself a Christ follower, um, I think many of you probably follow Jesus and many of you love Jesus. Uh, we're all saved by grace and we're, sa we're, we're not saved off our good deeds. Like we don't, we don't get to heaven because we were good enough, okay? Uh, if that were true, like man, uh, we'd all be done. <laughs> We, were, we get to heaven because of Jesus. And just like I said, he, he paid his life. He, he laid down his life willingly. But there's, a, there's this tension I think we all have to manage. And, and maybe you've been there, right? How do I love people well that I don't agree with? <laughs> and I don't even, uh, I, don't I don't acknowledge their lifestyle as something I would want to mold my life around. But I, they're my friends, they're my coworkers. How do I love them well and and Stand firm in my belief at the same time and, and not compromise to that culture. And I think a lot of people in their hopes to reach people think that they gotta agree with people. And, and I think that what we see is that Jesus didn't model that, neither did Daniel. You can vehemently disagree with someone and still move towards relationship and still move to a place where you're like, man, I really love you and I really do want you to, I want you to know I love you. But at the same time, this is who I am and this is what I believe. These are my values. And I just think the church has, we, I think what happens is we get too caught up in who's right or who's wrong and we end up feeling torn apart. And have you felt that lately scrolling through Facebook? Have you felt that scrolling through Instagram? Like, man, there's a lot of differing views. And, and what I, I, I could tell you my opinion, but listen, here's my opinion. 
And when the Bible's silent, I think we gotta be silent. And when the Bible, I think we need to pray for people that are, yes, we need to pray for people that are leaders in the church to go into uh, areas of influence and make decisions and policies. And I, I believe all of that. But I just think when it comes to me in my, in my life, I have to figure out how I can not make my life, not make this book fit into my life, but make my life fit into this book. How can I actually live out the truths of this scripture? And Daniel did that with such ease. And he was elevated to places position and authority. And I believe the local church should be, I think we should have people in places of, of authority in our communities, in our cities, school boards. I think there should be mayors. How many of you guys want to run for mayor of San Luis Obispo? You should go for it in Jesus' name. I think we should be the most, uh, I think we should have such a, a winsome nature about us. People should look at us and go, what's different about you? And I believe that God's going to show us today how to do that. So Daniel's life was, was, was kind of a, a set-apart lifestyle. He was holy. And what happened was there was a bunch of kings. King Nebuchadnezzar came in and tried to get him to bow down to this big statue. And their guys were like, nope, throw us into the fire. We're not going to do it. And, and sure enough, God rescued them. Uh, King Belshazzar, we saw last week, was uh, asking, uh, started drinking out of these God, all these different uh, things from the, from the temple. And these are like holy items that he was using to kind of have a party with. And, and they're having fun, getting drunk. And all of a sudden, a hand came out the wall. Remember that? And the writing was on the wall. And it basically said, hey, King Belshazzar, King of Babylon, your time is up. You're not living right. And if you don't repent, if you don't turn to, to God, you're gonna die. And Daniel told this guy, Daniel the prophet said, hey, king, you're gonna die. I, can, I know what that means. And your life is out of order. How many know when you're not living God's way, life gets very, very disorganized? And so what we saw last week was Belshazzar, sure enough, he died. He was killed by the, the Medo-Persian empire. There was a King Darius that came in, took him out. And now we pick up in Daniel chapter six. And I wanna, wanna pause here for a minute. I just wanna ask God to breathe on this time, to speak through me through the power of the Holy Spirit so that we'd walk out of here in 31 minutes and 41 seconds, changed, ready to go eat some tri-tip sandwiches. Come on. No, I think, yes, punctuality. Let's pray for that. <laughs> Let's pray. Father God, we love you so much. I thank you for your word. I thank you for this church. I thank you for the countless people that have sacrificed and sown. And, and Lord, we're sitting in someone else's sacrifice today. God, thank you for the faithful people that give and serve and, and pray for and just lift up this church so that we can continue to, to do ministry that's changing lives. Lord, bless this time. Speak through me now in Jesus' name. Amen. Daniel chapter six. It pleased Darius to appoint 120 satraps to rule throughout the kingdom with three administrators over them, one of whom was our guy, Daniel. So there's 120 kind of governors, these satraps over this whole land. So this new king's like, hey guys, uh, you know, new leadership, you know, it's like new structure, you know, you get a, you, CEO gets fired, new CEO gets brought in, what happens? They're like, we're doing a reorg, we're gonna move some stuff around, you know, someone's gonna get fired. Like, did you hear? They're firing people, right? Um, there, there's, there's literally people um, that he's choosing to govern this entire empire, which is smart. He needs to delegate and, and he's a good administrator. So what he does is he gets three people to oversee 120 satraps and Daniel is the one and only follower of God amongst all these pagan worshiping people. These, basically, these are modern day Ira, uh, Iranians. Persia is modern day Iran. 
uh, Babylon is modern day Iraq, okay? So to give you some, local, some new, newer context, the Persians, i.e. the Iranians, have taken over the Babylonians, i.e. the Iraqis, okay? There's still conflict there, right? A, it ain't done either. Daniel, read Daniel uh, 7 through 12, you'll trip out. There's way more to come. But today, for my, my, my topic is not necessarily end time study. My topic today is how do we live like Daniel? How do we live uncompromised in, in, a, in a culture that's constantly asking us to compromise? He goes on, it says this, the satraps were made accountable to them so the king might not suffer loss. Now, Daniel so distinguished himself, interesting, among the administrators and the satraps by his exceptional qualities. So this is what he did. He did not, he was not rude, arrogant, prideful. He was not boastful. He did not have to claw and scratch his way to the top of this organizational chart. He set himself apart by these exceptional qualities. Interesting. Some of us think we have to do everything we can to outperform the other person, manage perception, get ahead, always be in the bosses, you know, kind of be like, like do all these things behind the scenes to kind of get ahead. Not Daniel. Daniel just was faithful to God. And God, watch this, and God elevated him amongst all of his peers. And guess what? You know how old, you think of Daniel as like a young guy. Daniel was about 80 years old. 80 years old. So if you're older, older saints in the house, anyone older saints in the house, God's not done with you yet, okay? I talked, last night I was at a banquet and my friend Tom, he's 75 years old. He's the coolest guy. He's, he was, uh, he was a banker for many years, CEO of a bank. He drives Porsches, he races them. He's the coolest guy ever. I wanna be like Tom when I'm older. He's 75. He sat down and he, because of his God connections, Bill Bolthouse wrote a check for $6 million to my kid's school because Tom is still being used to build God's kingdom in Jesus at 75 years old. Isn't that cool? So Tom's like, I ain't done. I'm just getting started. Adam, we're gonna, we're gonna keep winning people for Jesus and we're gonna make more people, uh, we're gonna help people connect to God through Christian schools and churches. So isn't it cool? You don't have to be, you could be, you might think, man, it's time for me to set sail and just play golf and get an RV. God's not done with you. Your best years are ahead of you. Can I get an amen? Come on. Amen. Daniel's 80 years old and he's the cream of the crop. I love this. And here's what it says. He goes on to say, the king planned to set Daniel over the whole kingdom. At this, the administrators and satraps tried to find grounds for charges against Daniel in his, watch this, in his conduct of government. Pause. They wanted to, so his outward life, they were looking for things to find offense. They're like, they got the, they got the smear campaign out. Like, you know how like modern day politics, they'll pay big firms, marketing firms to go find dirt on their opponent. And then, you know, it's like, did you know that John Smith used to, you know, beat up kittens when he was little? It's like, what? John Smith kicked puppies? No, he didn't. It's always like the weird, you know, weird commercial that comes on. This is paid for by so-and-so, so-and-so. This is what they're trying to do to Daniel. And they can't find a thing on him. He's clean. Clean. Like nothing he did. There's no, there's no like, you know, spreadsheet somewhere that he's like fudging like on, on the bills. He's not trying to 
you know, false uh, expenditure report. He's not claiming gas mileage that's on his taxes that's actually not for his work gas. Anyone ever? Yes. <laughs> Careful. <laughs> and so what happens is they get so mad. They're like, how are we going to get this dude? He's so squeaky clean. We can't find any dirt on Oh, I know. So these other governors, they get together like, we're going to do this. We're actually going to find, we know he's faithful to his God. Oh, I get it. What we can do is we can trap him by telling the king that no one else can pray to anyone but other than King Darius for 30 days. And we know that Daniel every day, three times a day, prays to, towards Jerusalem. He goes up in his house and we know that he prays every day because he's a faithful man of God. That's it. We're going to use his own faith against him and catch him. And we're going to make him, make the king punish him. So here's what they do. They could find no corruption in him because he was trustworthy and neither corrupt nor negligent. Finally, these men says, we'll never find any basis for charges against this man, Daniel. So they began conspiring against Daniel. See, the reason why they, the, isn't that be cool if the only reason, the only thing that people could find on you was, oh, they just love God too much. <laughs> Hashtag goals, okay? That's not, let's, let's be honest. There's, we all have a past. We all got a story. We all got certain things that we're like, man, uh, I, you know, I'm, I'm forgiven. I still sin sometimes. You still sin sometimes. But let's be, from this day forward, what if we could be like Daniel? What if we could have these exceptional qualities? What if we could actually say, you know what, God, now I'm, not, now I'm gonna try harder to, to look good in front of people, but what if my inner life was the most important part of my life? What if the things that no one saw became the priorities? And then when and if and when I do get elevated to leadership, the inner parts of my life just flow out to the outer parts of my life. Maybe some of us are so busy trying to figure out all the giants in the land and we're like, man, I gotta slay all these giants. No, 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 you don't. David wasn't slaying giants and you know what he did first? He was doing private things really well. He, was, he says, when the bear came, I killed the bear. When the lion came, I killed the lion. He was having private victories long before he had a public victory in front of Saul's kingdom. Some of us need to win some wars by ourselves, between us and God and have integrity before we ever go out and step into that leadership. And let me tell you something, that's not always easy to live, but I'm telling you, that should be our goal. Amen? God doesn't need our ability. He just needs our availability. And that's what Daniel had. So how do we do this? God wants to develop your gifts. Daniel had certain gifts that he used and he had a certain way about him that he was just, he just hung out with God. He spent time with God. Later in the chapter, you could see he spent every single day. He was praying to God. He was connected to God. That was his strength. It wasn't that he was so much just this amazing employee servant. Although he was, it was that he actually had the living God on the inside of him and he used to, he, he operated out of the gift of his relationship with God. So we need exceptional qualities. How do we do that? Um, I want to kind of give you a really random verse. It might seem random, but at the same time, I think you'll, at the end of the sermon, you'll understand what I'm, where I'm going. See, God has attributes, God is, uh, there's different faces of God we see in the scripture. There's different names of God. There's multiple names that, to describe Jehovah. And so what we see in scripture is that God is, is actually, there's certain things about God that as we get closer to God, we, we, end up, we end up kind of taking on this fruit. 
The Bible says in Galatians, there's fruit that comes from being connected with God. There's actually attributes that you should look at to see whether or not a Christian, are they doing the things they should do? Because there'll be a fruit that's apparent to everybody. In Revelation chapter four, I want to take you there before we go into this next little section. Revelation chapter four gives us an image of what God looks like. Now I know what you're thinking. You're like, isn't God a spirit? Yes, he is. Didn't he take earthly form as Jesus? Yes, he did. Isn't he also the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit? Isn't he all three in one? Yes, he is. Three God, one God, three persons. But listen, in Revelation, John, when he's in the, on the island of Patmos, he has a vision of heaven. And he, ha, he describes this in great detail. And it's crazy because this is how he describes the faces of God. And I think Daniel had the same qualities because each face represents an attribute of our God. Are you guys still with me? Okay, is Revelation chapter four. I'm going somewhere. Hang on, okay? Here we go. In the center around the throne. So he has this vision and he's in heaven. You ever wonder what heaven, I always, my daughter told me, that she goes, I just imagine heaven is like a bunch of really big fluffy clouds that you can eat. They're like marshmallows. And I was like, yeah, it's maybe um, parts of it. Um, and she goes, and everyone just floats around and just hangs out and sings. So I'm like, that'd be cool. They are singing right now. Holy, holy, holy. But check out, here's what happens. In the center around the throne were four living creatures, okay? There's 24 elders that surround the main throne of God. And then there's this one living creature that exists. There's like four, four living creatures and they all have these wings and different faces. It's crazy. And they have eyes all over their bodies. It's nuts. And then it says this, they were covered with eyes in front and in back. The first living creature was like a lion. The second was like an ox. The third had a face like a man. And the fourth was like a flying eagle. So here's the thought. If God has attributes and each of those faces actually do represent something, I think Daniel took the, I think Daniel had the attributes of the living God because he was connected to God. You and I are connected to God through Jesus. We're, we're, we, we have the Holy Spirit living in us. And I think if we're gonna make a difference in this world, like Daniel made a difference in Babylon, I think that we need to start asking ourselves, what does it look like for us to actually live out these attributes that we see in the face of God in Revelation? Because most scholars believe this is actually what God looks like. And at the end, it's really cool. You should read the rest of the chapter. There's this one lamb that comes in and it's all bloody and the lamb comes up and everybody starts throwing their crowns and the lamb's like, bah. And it starts coming up. It's crazy. And you're thinking, who's this lamb, right? And everyone starts throwing their crowns and all the creatures bow their heads and they go, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. And they say, who can, enter, who can open the scrolls of God and no one can open it? But the lamb, check this out, the lamb of God goes before and opens the scroll. Jesus was the lamb and he's the one that gives us freedom. Amen? It's cool. I could preach on that for a while. So here, I think Daniel had four qualities. I'm gonna to explain to you what the faces mean so then you can like tell your friends this week, you know, the four faces of God. Uh, here's number one, you ready? The ox, everyone say ox. Tell your, tell, tell your uh, you know, if you're like married or dating, tell your significant other, man, you, girl, you look like an ox. Just don't do that. Yeah, um, got the face of an ox, girl. Um, Stacy doesn't like when I say that, it's weird. Don't say that. This is the face of a servant. The ox represents a serving animal. 
You would yoke up an ox to plow a field. Two ox would go and they would plow the field. You would uh, sacrifice an ox on the, on the altar back in the Old Testament. You would, that would be your propitiation of your sins. You would come and you say, I got sins. And you'd bring in a big old ox up on there. They'd kill it. And that was how you, that's how you got right with God. The ox is a consummate service servant. So was Daniel. Daniel was like, I got you. I'm gonna serve whatever king's in front of me. I don't care if they're evil. I'm gonna serve them. And when I have my opportunity, I'm gonna speak truth boldly. And I'm not gonna back down from my beliefs. I'm gonna gonna stand my ground, but I'm gonna have a heart of a servant. Don't you just love people like this at work? They have the heart of a servant. They're like, there's like, what do you need? I got you. They're already, it's like, yes. I don't know how we're gonna do it, but yes. It's, it's the people around your organization, your family, that have a good attitude when everything's going bad. You know what I'm saying? Like you have that one person, like they're like, that glass half full, come on, let's do this. That's what, that's what Daniel had. I believe that's the face of God. God is a servant. And an ox was, was really, was, was the picture of a consummate serv- servant. Now, you have to know this. The way to people's hearts isn't by yelling at them or telling them, turn or burn. That, that, that doesn't, doesn't really work. Very few people walk by those people that are yelling at them and go, oh my gosh, I did not know this. Tell me more. Very few. The way to people's hearts is by serving them. That's how we win people. You don't win people by telling them that they're dumb and they're going to hell. You win people by serving them. Because people don't care how much you know until they don't know how much you care. If you actually care about people, Christians, we got to do better at this. Because there's some certain camps that people go, oh, everyone, God's already elected those. They're going to hell and, and going to heaven. And we're just going to sit back and just kind of like, I'm going to heaven. So you guys get out of here. Uh, we're not going to, all those people are going to hell. And God bless them, but we're going to go over in our camp and we're just going to hang out. Wait for heaven. They're mean. It's like, hey, did you, your heart might be like forgiven, but you need to tell your face. And guess what? They're probably saved. They probably love Jesus. But let me tell you something. For you to get saved, to get rescued, and then to go off and to completely ignore the people that are still drowning, I don't think that's God's plan. I don't see that in Scripture. And so the question is this, if we're to serve people, we're to serve God and serve our fellow believer, then how do we continue to not neglect the people that are still drowning? How do we serve those people? Because I just know this, that you and I at one point were all lost. But praise be to God, someone came after us. Don't forget that person. Send them a text right now in church. Be like, thank you. Thank you. Grandma, thank you for praying for me. Dad, thank you for taking me to church. Mom, thank you for believing in me when no one else believed in me. That friend that brought you to church and you got baptized, they were so stoked. You better thank that friend that they, they loved you enough to serve you. This is a you first mentality. So how do you serve people? You first. In the parking lot this week, you're gonna have a moment, okay? You're gonna pull up to a parking lot and there's gonna be another car waiting and you're gonna both put, put your signal on at the same time. You know what I'm talking about? And you're like, click, click, I did it first. I did it first. And your wife's like, calm down. You're like, I did it first, babe. Okay. <laughs> go ahead. Come on. I'm waiting for it. Here's what a you first mentality is. No, go ahead. You first. It, no, no, no. You first. There should be a line out by parking lots. If you go to active church, you should, no, you first. You first. I get it. I don't default to this. But it's a you. In marriage, what do you want to do? How can I serve you? No, no, no. How could, no, you sit down. I'll take care of this. 
You know, it's, it's a servant's heart. That's exactly what, what God wants from us. It's not about getting something. It's about giving something. The Bible says that bless, it, when it's more blessed to give than to receive. The Bible also says he who refreshes others will himself be refreshed. That's why I feel so, that's why when you've given presents, it's so much more fun to give presents at Christmas time than to get them. As a parent, I'm like, thank you so much for my socks and my, my slippers, kids. This is awesome. Thank you, Stacey. But open your thing. I want to see you open it. Why? Because it's so much more fun to give. When you serve other people and you sacrifice, you're actually becoming more like the ox, the face of God that is a servant. And Daniel understood this. Uh, the other day, uh, our, we, we had to go rush out real quick. We had some friends over. I said, can you watch the kids? They offered actually to watch the kids. And I said, thank you so much. We had to go. It was a real quick emergency. We had to get out, get out of our house yesterday, actually. And the kids are there, and our friends Frank and Marianne were there. And, dude, they are, they're like the most humble servants ever. Like, I'm not trying to, like, brag on Marianne and Frank, but, like, Frank was helping me, like, with my addict and, like, helping me with, like, electrical stuff in my house. He's an electrician. I'm like, dude, help me. Because um, I don't know how to do that stuff. And we left. We had to go somewhere real quick. And we came back. Um, and I'm telling you, the kitchen was spotless. We left and the kitchen was dirty. I opened my fridge and it was, she, Marianne cleaned out the refrigerator, people. Like every, it was like a brand new refrigerator. I'm like, that is the heart of a servant. I didn't ask her to do that. She just like, I just want to show you that we love you guys. And that was something simple I could do. I like cleaning. I'm like, can we give up for Marianne? That's just awesome. Here's what I know about Marianne. She's in love with Jesus. She is, she's not forced to do that. She just loves Jesus and that's what's coming out of her because whatever comes out of you, whatever goes into you eventually comes out of you. She just loves Jesus. 1 Corinthians 9.19 says, though I'm, Paul says, though I'm free and belong to no man, watch this, I make myself. Pause. Just do whatever you want, bro. Whatever feels good, do it. No, 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 don't do that. Just do whatever feels good. Follow your heart. No, don't. Bible says the heart is, is wicked, it's deceitful. Who can understand it? No, no, he says, I make myself. In other words, I actually take my life and I, I bring it under the microscope of the scripture and I go, can I live my life in a different way? Yes, I can. How do I do that? I take captive every thought and bring it before the, the throne of Christ. I, I, I make myself do certain things. Here's what it is. I make myself a slave to everyone. Why would you do that, Paul? To win as many people as possible. Because... Hell is real and heaven's real and people spend eternity one of two places. And if your theology doesn't teach you that, then I would argue it's wrong. People spend eternity somewhere and it's real. And if people wanna erase hell, they can, but that doesn't change. If I jump off the Empire State Building and I say that gravity doesn't exist, <laughs> eventually I'm gonna hit the ground. <laughs> and people, listen, listen. Why would Paul endure so much? Why would he spend his entire life after meeting Jesus, who once killed Christians, now proclaiming the same message that he once persecuted? Why would he do that? Because he had an encounter with the living God. And when you have an encounter with the living God, it's our responsibility, church, to then go and be bearers of the good news of the gospel of Jesus. That, hey, we were all dead, but look, Jesus, the spotless lamb, he did it for us. He's the one who gets all the praise and we are the recipients of new life, life everlasting because of the great sacrifice of our king. And... 
So we get to serve people. We get to serve people. Daniel understood that. He was appointed as an administrator because he chose to serve God out of a spirit-led love for God. And his only agenda was to glorify God in everything he did. That was it. So when you wake up tomorrow, here's your goal. You got like to-do lists and calendar meetings. Here's your, here should be like the thing you write on your bathroom wall. Lord, help me to glorify you today. Help me to bring more glory to you. How? By serving and loving people. Number two, the man. The man is the face of love. This is the face of love. This is a relational God. A God that comes into your life and isn't just like this big, powerful being, but is a God that became a man. He became Jesus. This is the face of love. Relationship is all about loving people. We have four core values at Active Church. Love God, love people, pursue excellence, have fun. Those are core values. What are you all about at Active Church? Loving God, loving people, doing our very best and having a good time or choosing joy. See, when you put God first, you always put people first. When you put God first, serving people comes natural. Like Marianne wasn't like, you know, I guess I, I should probably clean his kitchen, I guess. No, she was like, I just wanna put God first in everything I do. How, could I, how can I love all my friend right now? I'm gonna clean their kitchen. Oh man, this is not me trying to get you to come over and clean my house, by the way. This is not, I'm like, and if you too wanna clean my kitchen, don't miss this. People don't want to, they don't want a theological debate. They don't. Christians like to debate theology and that's cool. You can debate theology and have doctrinal conversations and challenge each other. I think that's how we get better. I think it's okay for, and don't be petty, but just, you know what I'm saying? Like, hey, I was wondering, I was reading this. What do you think about this? But most people that are far from God don't want a theological debate. They just want to know that you care about them. So, so, so the question is, do we care? Do we care more about being right or do we care more about loving people? And no, don't hear what I'm not saying. Loving people is telling them the truth, but doing, it, doing so with grace, laced in grace. Does that make sense? John 13 says this, a new command I give you, love one another. Actually, it wasn't new. Jesus is like, you just weren't doing it. <laughs> you, you missed that part. A new command, guys, love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another by this, by how often you go to church? No. By how often you pray? No. By how much Bible reading you get done in the week? No. By how many times you post a Christian meme on your Instagram and <laughs> make people laugh? I don't know. By how you love one another, by all this, by this, all men will know that you're my disciples if you love each other. That's what we're about here, guys. Let's be a church that loves each other well. If you didn't see someone here today at church that should have been here, you should text them like, how are you doing? You know how many times I, I text people and sometimes people get mad. They're like, Oh, you checking up on me for? You think I, uh, you know, I missed church one time? And they get all defensive. I'm like, oh, you probably got some stuff going on. <laughs> but have you ever been there when you got the text and someone's like, how are you doing? And you're like, actually, I'm not very good. 
That's why it's so important to be around a life-giving church. If It doesn't have to be active church. Just be around a church where you get close enough to do this, to take, take the mask off. Not the mask that goes around your ears, the actual... Take the mask off and just be real with some people. I had lunch with a friend this week, and I just he's like, how are you doing? And I, got, and I know I trust him, so I was like, oh, and I got to tell him some stuff about me and Stacy and how we're, like, working through some stuff. And, you know, like, oh, yeah, we talked to our counselor last week, and we had some cool things happening. Like, why? Because I need to be vulnerable because I really do want people to know about my life. I'm not going to give you all my dirt up here, but if we know each other, if we're tight, I'll give you some dirt. And not everybody has to know about your life, but someone needs to know about it. And I would say it's probably less, less than one hand. I mean, it's probably maybe two or three people at tops should know all your stuff. Get involved in a group. Get on a team. If you don't have that, you need to be around Christians. The badge of a Christian is love. Let's do that. And let's do it by spending more time getting to know this God that so loves us. The band can come up as we close out. The next is the eagle. This is the face of respect we see. This is the creature of, it had a face like an eagle. This is dignity, respect. God is, has the face of awe, reverence, excellence. Like when you see God, it's like, whoa. Have you ever seen a bald eagle in real life? Anyone seen a bald eagle? We were at Hume Lake one year. It was awesome. We were down by Ponderosa and we were, I was getting a coffee at the little uh, human beans or whatever. And it's, if you've never been to Hume Lake, just go. Just, it's awesome. Go during the summer. Go week seven. It's the best. And, um, and we were there. And I remember I was just like, we were all like, oh, it's so cool. And, and you know, we're just looking at the eagle. And I'll never forget, I was, walking, I was walking away. And I looked up and that eagle took one big, and it just started soaring over Hume Lake. Just, have you ever seen an eagle just soar? It, it's not loud. The eagle's not trying to show off. The eagle is just soaring and it's amazing. I had like a patriotic moment, like our country. <laughs> That's one of the faces of our God is, is to awe, just to revere him and respect our God. And here's what happens. I'm telling you, the more you magnify God in your mind, and the more you revere him, the more you're going to want to serve him. The more you take inventory of your life and just like, God, where am I at? Like, I had to repent. I got mad yesterday and the kids were like, Daddy, you got mad. I'm like, I know. This morning, it was like right there. It was like on the front. And I just went before the Lord. And I said, God, I, re I revere you and I honor you. I don't want to be that like that. God, I just thank you. Thank you that you forgive me. But Lord, help me to be better. Help me to have a spirit of excellence with how I raise my kids, how I talk to them, how I discipline them. Help me to, to not demand respect, but help me to earn respect in the home by the way that I love and lay my life down for my family. The eagle is the face of respect. I think Daniel had this and he was respected. He was elevated to a place of influence because he respected the king. But listen, and he served the king. And because of that, because he did it with excellence, because they had these exceptional qualities, God lifted him up and he protected him. Let them say that about active church. Let them say that, man, those, those Christians, they, they have an excellent spirit. They work hard. I'm gonna hire a Christian. Let people say that. I don't know if I believe all that, but man, I hope my daughter marries a Christian. 
I hope, my, I hope we can find some more of those people like those active church people, those Christians, man, they're good employees. Let the world say, man, there's an excellent spirit about the people that call themselves followers of Jesus. Amen? Here's what Matthew says. You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled by men. Watch this, he says, you, like you too, you all, you, you are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, no, they put it on a lampstand and it gives light to everybody in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before men so they might see your good deeds. Watch this. It doesn't say so they see your God right away. No, no, no. They'll see your outward expression and then they're gonna go, oh, now we can praise God, your God, the Father in heaven. Like, let them may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. It's your actions the world sees. They're not gonna know the intricacies of your beliefs. People aren't gonna know. People say like, you know, St. Francis of Assisi once said, at all times, preach the gospel and when necessary, use words, which I like that. But I think we need to use our words more often for God. No one's ever ran up to me and said, excuse me, sir, I've seen your life. What God do you serve? I'm waiting for that to happen. What God have you served? Your no, it's usually like, hey, bro, how's it going? Hey, let's grab coffee. Hey, what's going on in your life? Hey, let me tell you about what I did. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. Let me tell you how I went through something similar. Can I tell you how God's got me through this? Can I tell you how God's got me through this season of COVID-19? Can I tell you how God's got me through, you know, the challenges of trying to figure out how to plant a church, how to be married, to be a dad? Can I tell you what I'm learning right now? Oh, let me tell you about my God. He's so good. He's so gracious. I think always, I think when necessary, you're most likely you're gonna have to use your words. And lastly, the lion. It's the face of boldness. I think we've gotten too timid as a church. Not this church. I think we've gotten too timid as, as the local church. I had a friend once, I was far from God and I was, I was 20 years old and I don't have time to tell you my whole testimony, but I never imagined in a million years I'd be a pastor of a church. And I'm not, I don't wanna like glorify sin or anything. I'm just telling you this so you have context. I was really far from God. I, I didn't live for Jesus for many years of my life until I was like 21 years old. And on November 4th of 2004, I gave my life to Jesus. That was almost, it'll be 17 years this November. And uh, yeah, it's pretty cool. Yeah, God's done a great work in my life and he's still doing a lot. But do you wanna know why I'm here? Is because I, there was a friend of mine that had boldness and he saw me living far from God. He saw me, I was partying all the time and I was getting drunk like a lot and smoking weed. And on the outside though, like I was good at hiding it. I was good at living a double life. Like I had enough of like the know-how to like keep everyone at a distance. And I had this kind of secret life and I would party and hang out, but I was, I'd still, you know, go to the events. And I, I, people thought my life was like, okay, but on the inside, can I tell you something? I was dying. Not only was I dying physically, I was dying spiritually. I was on a trajectory to hell. 
And because of the boldness of a friend, he spent time with me and he didn't yell at me. He didn't curse at me and tell me you're going to hell. He told me about his relationship with God. And there'd be nights where I didn't want to take his phone call because I'm like, oh, I don't want to hear it. And he would be like, Adam, come over. And I'm like, no, I don't want to come over tonight. I want to go hang out with someone else. And there'd be days where I would literally drive. I knew I could drive this way. I'd be hanging out with my friend who loved Jesus or I would drive this way and I would be doing whatever, whatever I wanted to do. Nothing good usually. And one night I got, I was in a bad place. And the next day I called my friend. I said, hey, dude, I need to talk to you. And he sat me down and he was bold as a lion. Wasn't, wasn't angry, wasn't trying to convince me. He just was bold. And he asked me, he said, Adam, if you died today, where do you think you'd go? I said, well, I hope heaven. I mean, I never killed anybody. I think God would let me in. He goes, what if I told you that good people don't go to heaven, Adam? What if I told you only forgiven people go to heaven? And I said, what do you mean? And we began to read the Bible. And I'm just telling you, church, he loved me with the power and the spirit of God living in him. He loved me and was bold to tell me that my life was heading in the wrong direction. And I just wonder if we could be the church that's bold that goes and he sat me down. We read the Bible and I never read the Bible before. We read Romans, the road to Roman, Romans, the road to salvation. Romans 3.23, he said, what does this mean? I said, I don't know. It says, the, for all have sinned and all fall short of the glory of God. He goes, yeah, yeah, what does that mean? I go, I guess it means that we're all sinners and we all kind of screwed up. Yep. And then he's like, read this one. I said, for the, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. What does that mean? I said, well, a wage is what you get and it's, you earn it. And he goes, so you've earned what? I said, I've earned death, I guess, according to your Bible. Crud, this is not good. He's Adam, do you, do you know that if you were to die today, like you'd have to give an account for all your sins? Do you have sin in your life? I said, yes, he knew it. But he was bold to say, you know what? Adam, I love you so much that I don't want to, I don't want you to miss this. You have a chance to get out. God's given you a rescue boat. His name's Jesus. And, and we read the next half, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. And he goes, do you know what a gift is? I go, what's that? I go, yeah, I guess. And he goes, well, is a gift earned? I go, nope. He goes, a gift is what? I go, received. He goes, it's exactly right. He goes, Adam, Christ paid the price for you on the cross. And if you want to receive forgiveness of your sins, you can do that. That took so much boldness. And he was telling you just like, literally he was fumbling a little bit, but all I heard was like, I heard in loud and clear, like Dolby digital surround sound, like Adam, if you don't do this today, you may never have a chance to do this. And I don't know what he said, but I was just like, I need to receive this God. I need to know this God that saved me. And on that couch in Bakersfield, California in 2004, November 4th, I received Christ as my savior. And the minute I did, I felt like God, put his love inside of me and zip me up. And he says, I'm, you're mine and I'm yours. I've never been the same. It took boldness for someone to tell me about Jesus. Let me ask you this. Are we being as bold as a lion? Because the righteous are as bold as a lion, Proverbs says. And here's, if we're gonna do this, let me tell you something. If we're gonna be bold, we have to, two words and I'll close. We have to have grace and truth. Grace says, man, we all need a second chance. Truth says, 
the only way I get this second chance is if I admit to God that I need it. Grace says, we're all sinners. There's no sin greater than the sin I've committed. Your sin's not worse than my sin. My sin's not worse. They're all sins. And I still commit sin from time to time. Truth says, we're not gonna call it okay and blink an eye at it. We're not gonna go, okay, it's just it's a little sin. No, 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 it's sin. And we gotta admit that we need forgiveness. Truth without grace is mean, but grace without truth is meaningless. So could we be the church that stands in the gap for people? And as bold as lions say, man, God has something for you, but unless you turn your life from that sin, you can't inherit eternal life. I hope we could be that church. I hope we could be like Daniel that stands for truth in a culture that says, you know what? We don't, we don't allow that here. We could say, you know what? I don't really have an opinion, but I do serve God and God's word is my North Point. So I'm gonna do whatever God's word says, not whatever culture says, because culture will shift, but your God, he, he never will. Amen. Let's pray.